to us. And we pray now, Lord, that you would give us grace to hear your word truthfully, um, that only from this place may truth be spoken, and only from this place may truth be, be heard. And Lord, we pray that as you minister, you would draw us into closer fellowship with yourself. We ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Please be seated. So, as you know, uh, Kimberly and I are, are Disney nuts, right? And uh, when we were married, the first thing we did as husband and wife is pack up to go to Disney. And, uh, and so we learned that on that first trip to Disney, we had a great time, but we learned that we didn't know a whole lot. And then uh, the next time we went, we did our research. Do you know what these little doohickeys are? Those are magic bands, right? Magic bands you wear around your wrist, and they let you get into your room. They unlock your door for you, and you can buy souvenirs with them. You have your meal plan connected to your magic wrist. You can use fast passes on 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 your magic band. All of it gives you full access to the park in a way that makes things so much easier. And when we had done our research and we had gone and we had our magic bands, you could notice the newbies, right? Those people who, who didn't know, right? Those, you know, suckers who came for the day, you know, and they're waiting in lines forever. <laughs> oh, it felt pretty good to be on that side, you know? But it's important, too, to remember what it's like when you don't have the knowledge or when you're excluded It's important to know that too. So maybe you might have a bit of compassion and understanding when people look lost and, you know, you don't forget. In the epistle today, uh, Paul is, is telling the church in Ephesus, do not forget what it was like when you were excluded from Christ, distant from the promises of Israel and all of that. Now, why would he want us to know these things? Maybe it's so that we can really appreciate what we have now. Maybe it's so that we don't slip into uh, sort of a, I have memories of the induction. (laughs) Do you remember the induction when Isaac took the bunny and threw it up? Does anyone remember that? Okay, just me. You remember? Yeah, Kimberly remembers. (laughs) Anyway, with with the whole, um, why, why would you want us to remember these things? And I think it's because maybe he didn't want us to slip into a very dangerous spiritual attitude. I am sad to say that for much of my young Christian life, I viewed my role as a Christian as labeling those who were in and those who were out. I I acted like a Christian bouncer, right? And Steve, I don't even know why you're here, really, you know? And the problem with that attitude is it puts me in a position of judge, not follower, not recipient of grace, but one who is in the know and has the right to label people and say, well, I think you're worthy to get in. What do I know? The role of judge, thankfully, is the role of Jesus. And so... And what, what's really tragic about slipping into the role of, of judge is that we, we actually miss out on the dance. We're called to actually enter into this new reality, this new way of being. And it's not an exclusive club, right, where everyone's lined up outside waiting to get in. I love this picture because there's people, all types of people just watching these two people dance. 
And as followers of Jesus, we're called to dance. We're called to enter into this relationship with Jesus and not to be on display for the world, but to just simply live in the world and allow people to see Christ operating in us. They're not our focus. The people aren't our focus. Dancing is our focus, rejoicing in the wonderful gift we have with with Jesus. So why do we remember this? Why is Paul saying, remember, you were excluded, you were apart from Jesus, but now, in verse 13, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Let us give thanks. I was at a birthday party yesterday for a little boy who, among other things, got a drone. He turned seven and he got a drone. But do you know what he did with that drone? He first learned how to use it, and then he went to his cousins and said, do you want to try? I couldn't believe it, but he was so thankful for this little thing. By the way, drones are now 40 bucks, if you're interested. Um, (laughs) But he was so excited about this thing, he wanted everyone to experience his excitement. When we are truly grateful, invitation is natural. Come and see what the Lord has done for me. Not, you can come in, but, mm -mm. no, you drive a Ford. Yeah. (laughs) Hey. We carry on in verse 14, and I think that we could just sit here in silence after reading this verse. For Jesus himself is our peace who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier of the dividing wall of hostility. When I grew up uh, at Stone Church, it was a very traditional layout of a church. And so from the street, you would enter in the porch, which you called the narthex, right? And then you'd go through doors and you'd enter into the nave, which is where everybody sat. And then from there, you went up three marble steps, And you had the pulpit on your left, you had the lectern on your right, the choir sat there, the rector sat there, the lay reader sat there, and from the chancel you went up into the sanctuary. Is everyone remembering all these fun terms? And and when I was in high school, I was a tour guide of this church because it was historical, built in 1824, from ballast brought over from England. Anyway, uh, so one day I was there with my fellow tour guide, Sean, And Sean was dramatic. He actually got into a cassock to take people on tour of this sacred space. And one day, for some reason, Sean brought his dog to work. And I was kind of, hmm, all right. But he let the dog go everywhere. He went up in the pulpit, which I had a problem with. He went up in the balcony, which was okay. And he just ran around all day. And Sean and I were talking in the chancel at one point, and the dog beelined for the sanctuary. And to my shock and a bit of horror, Sean tackled his dog. He just boof and rolled him over. And I said, what are you doing? He said, only those who are confirmed can enter the sanctuary. (laughs) We have a challenge in the church. And that challenge is to somehow connect unity with holiness. Right? 
Now, churches, I think, have slipped into two major errors when it comes about this unity and holiness. With the people just wanting everyone to get along and to be okay, they can allow some dangerous things into a community, things that are detrimental to a community. You know, whatever you want to do, we just love you, and, and, you know, it doesn't matter about personal conduct or what you believe, just come on in. There's something appealing about that, but there's something very dangerous too. Where do you draw the line when it comes to liars or, or when, it, when it comes to uh, people who are just, you know, predators? Like, what, where do you draw the line? And can you draw the line if you're going to be fully inclusive? It's kind of iffy. But then there's another error that you can slip into, which is we need to be absolutely pure. I was delighted in, when I was in my undergrad, my friend Andrew came to faith. I, I never thought, he saw his mother baptized she was a changed person. He was drawn to faith. And soon enough, he had a Christian girlfriend. <laughs> Which is good. Except when she said to him, you know, Andrew, I'm really concerned about Paul's salvation. And he said, why? He's the one of the people who led me to Jesus in the first place. He's Anglican. <laughs> and uh, he wasn't baptized properly. And they believe all kinds of stuff. They use candles. You know, um, I'm worried about his salvation. He, we should try to save him and bring him to our church of 200 people. Because, I'm sorry folks, but only those 200 people were getting in. Right? We can slip into another, that dangerous area where we are labeling who's in and who's out. What is purity? Um, and, you know, we have to march along with that. And it gets to the point where we depend on what we're doing more than what Christ has done. How do we marry unity and holiness? It's got to be Jesus. Um, we're kidding ourselves if we can say we're a church when Jesus is not our common destination. So if, if you have your, your pet social issue of the day as being the central point in your life of what you want to write, a wrong that needs to be righted, and it's taken the place of Jesus you're going to a different place. But you could be a gossip or slanderer or you could be, you name it, name your pet sin. But if Jesus is in the middle of where you're trying to go, that's where grace is possible. And as we walk closer to Jesus, look what happens. We're being drawn closer to each other. You get me? Unity and holiness can only be found in having the common destination of Jesus himself. Um, <laughs> who likes Ikea? Any, I'm kind of a, an Ikea guru now, and I wanted to use an illustration, and I, the more I tried to write it, the more I'm like, this is just plain confusing. So, there is something in a lot of Ikea construction called a cam lock system to bring two corners together and i thought before i go to vacation i'm going to teach you how to build ikea things so here is a very short video on how to do this because I, I can't explain it well so hopefully this will work stress this enough you need to look at the warning section first 
Now, I know what you're thinking. Paul, you need vacation. (laughs) (laughs) And you're right. But I just, when I was thinking about how when Jesus is in the center, he's kind of like that bolt that we put in the center of our lives by the grace of God. And we're kind of like that nut that when you turn or repent, you're drawing yourself closer to the center. And everything that's connected to you too is drawn closer to the center. The cam lock system is the gospel in a nutshell. Okay? Christ is there. The invitation is for all. In order to receive, we need to be open to turning to him. And that's not done just by our own effort. That's done by the transforming work of the Holy Spirit acting upon us. This is grace. Grace that we have been given. Um, You know how at the beginning of the passage it said that we were strangers to the covenants given in the Old Testament? But now we've been included in those. And I I just thought that one of the most important covenants is from Genesis um, 12. And I thought we could just read this aloud together because this is for us now. We are the inherited blessing of Abraham and that blessing continues through us by the grace of God. So can we read this covenant? Because this is ours now because of Jesus. Let's read together. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Isn't that beautiful? We have been called for blessing, and our God defends us at the same time. Jesus desires us to be one with him and to be one with one another just as he is one with the Father. Do you know his love was expressed most fully on the cross? And it was on the cross that he said, no matter what you throw at me, what hate, animosity, what judgment, I am not looking away. And when you are worn out, I will be here. Because my love is sufficient to heal you. Church, we are are going to be entering into um, this ministry of blessing, God willing, with the children across the street in the fall. And we're going to need people to be here to not say, you can come in, but you can't go out, because there's going to be some kids that are going to be rough. Can we look at them without flinching? Can we recognize that, you know, the hurt in them that causes them to act out so that we can treat them with compassion? We've been called to be a blessing to the nations, and the nations are right there. They're right there. And this is our time to exemplify, to embody the love Jesus has for them that we might be a healing. Wouldn't it be something to bust just a few out of cycles of poverty here just by sharing the love of Jesus. Let's pray together. 
Jesus, it is your call for all of us to reflect your love to the world around us. So we do pray that you would make us holy, set apart for your work. We pray that by your grace you would give us faith and faithfulness so that we can hold to this calling even when things get tough or uncertain or even dreary. We pray, Lord, that you would be so glorified in and through our church that this dark world would know your light, that those in in desperate and difficult situations would know your peace. Lord Jesus, come and extend your kingdom in this place. For we pray this all in your name, King Jesus. Amen. I invite you to stand as we... uh